Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. The rain was hammering down when Hetty Key and I took refuge in a cafe to talk about women in adventure. I wanted to know what's limiting more women from getting into the outdoors, as well as the benefits experienced for those who do. Hetty is an adventurer. She's worked in the outdoor industry. She's an endurance athlete, and she's also a massive data geek. I've never met someone interested in the outdoors who has such a wild love of spreadsheets. What does living adventurously mean to you? Oh, that's a that's a big question. It I is. think I think adventure is being out of your comfort zone. And so living adventurous adventurously to me is it's not you, you know the types of fun, sort of type one fun, type two. It's not always being sort of uncomfortable, but it's consistently trying to push yourself just out of the comfort zone into that. I, I think it's quite an exciting bit. I think the, there's definitely uh, challenging moments and really enjoyable moments, but it's just being out of your comfort zone and kind of going and doing the things that when you first think of them, you think, oh, I don't know if I can do that. Okay, so give me an example from your life of an adventure you've had that does not include uh, being in the mountains, etc. I think, so about two years ago, I was quite short on time. I was doing a lot of work and my kind of work-life balance had gone um, down the drainpipe, so to speak. And a friend and I made a pact that at 7 a.m., once a week, we were going to try and slowly get into uh, a river near us because both of us were actually quite nervous about the concept. I, like, water fascinates me, don't get me wrong, but I would not have jumped in a river. Like, open water was terrifying. It was, you know, the, all the monsters on the bottom, like, the, the feeling of the ground on your feet, like, the whole thing, like, completely... It was, it was very out of my comfort zone. But actually, every, every week, we went every week at seven in the morning, and just gradually, the first time, I think I went and, like, up to my knees, and I was like, oh, I'm good, that's enough. And actually, we kept going, and starting in, I think we started in October, 
And actually, we by February we were we were still you went going through the winter. Yeah, we went through the whole winter, and it's it's totally changed my outlook and perception on on water. And actually, it's something I still do a lot and really really enjoy. But that was definitely adventurous. Okay, I agree. What about um, moving from having a proper job to not a proper job? Tell me what you've done recently. Ah, that that that's an adventure. So um, recently, I took the decision to uh, leave my full-time job at, at Rab Equipment and actually pursue um, my research through uh, a company called Women and Adventure. Okay, so we're going to talk about Women and Adventure a lot, but I want to to pick you up here on the leaving your full-time proper yes. job <laughs> to be to going to being freelance or yeah. essentially and honestly yeah. having no job at yeah. all yeah yeah so tell, tell me sounds a bit of, alarming when you put it that way but yeah well is, it's alarming yeah. for a lot of people <laughs> um, there's a lot of people who would love to do it mm. but so tell me about yeah. the uh, pros and cons of that so i think i think the really important thing to remember or to note is that i didn't just do this overnight i didn't wake up and think Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna gonna go to gonna go and speak to my boss and say, you know, I'm I quit. I'm, I quit. Uh, it, it definitely wasn't that. This evolved over maybe um, about three years of just you know I've, I've always had a really strong interest in learning about women in the outdoors and actually even simpler than that, just learning. And so something that started as curiosity and a hobby just grew and grew and grew very organically, and I couldn't. I couldn't drop it. I couldn't leave it. And every opportunity where I was like, ah, oh, if I, you know, nice concluding point. If I maybe finished here, then I could have a lot more free time and it'd be, you know, life would be very easy. But actually the curiosity every time got the better of me and I just kept going back and doing more and learning. And it, it gradually grew to a point where I felt actually I really need to assess, again, the work-life balance. I need to look at this and actually... I think viably there's enough research and enough to do here that this is a full-time job. And, you know, I looked at, I looked at my annual leave and how much of it had gone towards sitting in front of a computer looking at spreadsheets. And I looked at maybe um, how often I was getting outside and, and realised that although I loved everything I was doing, I really enjoyed my job at RAB. I, you know, I loved the research I was doing and I also won the organiser of a climbing festival and I really, really enjoyed that too. But there is something to be said for knowing when you're at your limit and knowing how long maybe managing all of that was sustainable. So I knew I had some decisions to make. Okay. So you essentially, you had these hobbies and passions that stayed and grew and wouldn't go away yeah. and wouldn't go away. And you just kept pushing them and pursuing them until you got to a point when something had to give, essentially. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you got to a point where you thought, right, there's just too much to do here to carry yeah. on with the job. And actually, I was so motivated and driven by, I mean, I, I know we're talking about the, the kind of the research in a bit, but the, the number of women that got in touch and the number of stories they shared and how inspirational they were, I just felt... I, there was so much. There was so much to look at, so much to research. Um, I really wanted to do them justice, the women that had responded. And I think sometimes when it comes to surveying and asking questions, yes, you get the answer to your question, but then you end up with a hundred more questions. That's yeah, definitely true. Okay, go on then. Tell us then now about um, 
the survey you you did that started all this off and this is actually the how you and i first got in touch was through yes, your yeah. survey so tell, tell us uh, give me a brief summary of what that was about so rewinding to the beginning the um first women in adventure survey looked at inspiration barrier participation and goal setting for women uh in adventure in a, well, yeah, women in adventure and i know so adventure is a you know we started the conversation talking about what what you know what is adventure that is a broad term and actually um i really wanted with this for people to interpret that how they felt if you love the outdoors and you love enjoying the outdoors and you engaged with the topic i wanted people to feel they could fill this out so what sort of questions were you asking people about women and adventure what was what the kind of questions you were interested in so the most recent survey which is probably the, one of the areas I'm most passionate about looked at mental well-being in the outdoors. So what I wanted to do, I think instinctively when we go outside, we, we all talk about how good it makes us feel. You, you come back from a run or a ride or a bike or you know, even just going and watching the sunset and you, you say, oh, I feel so much better for getting out. You know, oh, I've re- that's really cleared my head. There's all this kind of feeling, intrinsic feeling that the outdoors helps our like, mind, body and soul. But actually, when it came to the data, there wasn't, there wasn't very much out there. And something that one of the drivers to me was to be able to put accessible information behind this. I thought that that would really give the opportunity to, say, activity providers and initiatives that are helping women in the outdoors um, and their mental well-being. To, to prove their worth and to say, look, this is what we're doing and this is the data that shows it's incredible. And that was a huge driver for me, as well as the curiosity. And then on top of that, I felt that brands and organizations are really trying to sit up and listen and act. And whilst that is absolutely incredible, I want actions to be based on real data because I'm like a bit of a science geek um, rather than this like gut feeling. And... So it was just, that was the starting point, really. Kind of equipping everyone with the knowledge to then learn and grow and take the next steps. Okay, so you, you put out this survey and you got massive response. You got yes. about thousands yes. of replies. Yeah. Um, what, what did you learn? What's, what are some, give me a few key pointers that you, you learned from this survey. So I think we have to start with the kind of the major headline, so to speak, which was that 99.6% of women either agreed or strongly agreed that the outdoors benefited their mental well-being. Of course, I felt that that was going to be kind of the overall answer, that they would agree. But to that extent, that's like, you know, when you round that up, that's 100%, which almost sounds unbelievable. We all agree with it, but I was amazed it was so high. Interestingly as well, if you look at physical well-being, the same question, so how does the outdoors benefit your physical well-being, that came out at 99.7. So they're almost on a par. It's not, it's not that one is greater than the other. Women are going outside to, for both the mental and the physical benefits. I think historically we've always kind of like championed the physical benefits, but I was really pleased to see that the mental sits kind of equally alongside that. So, um, adventure helps women with their physical health and with their mental health. Yes. And the data backs that up beyond yeah. just our gut feeling hunch. So what? Mm. So what? I think that's when you can kind of dive deeper into what the survey looked at. And 
we, we I looked at sports, so specifically whether that's like climbing, hiking, biking, and actually the effect on well-being that those sports had. So that was done using like I, I won't go into like the full kind of full-on methodology. Yeah, please don't. I think I think everyone will fall asleep and won't listen. But basically, it looks at four four key things. That's life satisfaction, happiness, anxiety, and worthwhile. And what I can do is I've looked at within my data how that changes for the different sports, and that is fascinating because certain sports prove to help or support different areas within those four better than others so could it could it be then that you could recommend sports for women according to what they're trying to get out of it i think yeah i think that's certainly one angle or there's also on the flip side looking at maybe where is say if a sport has slightly higher anxiety than another maybe that group could have a little more support in a certain way or area so i think there's the potential for uh, organizations to like act and support those women is huge and which, what sort of organizations have been interested in what you're doing so my main aim is for this data to actually drive real change i'm not researching for the sake of kind of um academia and science although that is really important to me and something i want to work on i really want this to be accessible data i want anyone to be able to download a copy of the results have a read and be able to understand it. And there's a huge amount that you could take from that as a brand or organization. Or if you're just interested, then, then you'll learn a lot too. It's, it's, it's definitely keeping it accessible. So what I'm trying to do in terms of who I'm working with, it's, it's working with activity providers, brands and organizations that are looking to really act in those areas. This isn't about kind of massaging marketing statistics and, you know, patting ourselves on the back it's about actually helping more women get into sport supporting those in it and really kind of crafting the way forward in a way that's really positive for society as a whole trying to get trying to get more women doing more adventurous things um interests me because i think it's pretty unanimous that everyone would like to live more mm. adventurously i feel i unlike you haven't done any uh, research in this at all but it's just a kind of gut feeling yeah. everyone wants to live more eventually yeah. but equally I know from lots of anecdotal experience mm. that something stops people living as adventurously mm. as they'd like to and that varies from different people so and it's often perhaps a lack of time or a lack of money I think they're so often the, the two first, big ones in the first women in adventure survey the three barriers that were highlighted uh, to participation for women were time, work and money. Um, that was some time ago now. It'd be really interesting to look at that again. But I think that's something that we all feel and agree with. It can be, you know, those three quite basic barriers can be quite limiting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, time, work. I think work actually is kind of the same as time in a way. Um, it's a similar sort of constraint. I think it can, it? it can vary for, for women. Um, time can have a number of facts on that. So whether that's on the, uh, say, the, the ch uh, sort of family-based side, whether, um, you know, whether women's are having... Uh, lost my words. Um, it's on the family side. It's, say, if a woman is mainly responsible for looking after children or... Um, Actually, it, career as well. I think it's really important that it's not, it's not just one thing. Um, and actually, I've, I realise I've gone a little tangent here, but 
the most important thing, if I could have one like message for this, it would be that there are, there are many opinions. We're not going to find the one thing. You know, what do women want? Oh, they want this. Great, let's do it. And we're sorted. This is an ongoing conversation and we need to open that dialogue and talk and continue because it's going to change. It's going to adapt. There's going to be more than one opinion. We just need to listen more. Okay, and from your listening and from your, uh, your research, I'd be interested in, in this side of what stops people because there's the... There's the time, money, work, yeah. which I, I put them as practical mm -hmm. barriers. Um, and in my world, that's what micro-adventures has been mm. deliberately trying to deal with those mm. things. But I'm really interested in the internal barriers, the mental barriers mm. that stop us doing X, Y, and Z. And mm. You and I talked earlier about the imposter syndrome, yeah. which I think yeah. is a classic <laughs> thing. But what, what have you noticed about the, the internal barriers and obstacles that stop women getting into adventure? I think it's it's quite varied and quite complex, but I think something that can be said is sometimes there is a trend for women to wait to feel like they are good enough instead of instead of going and doing and, and maybe taking that leap of um, I'll just learn. It, and it then is becoming that, good. Yeah, it is that imposter syndrome of, you know, not wanting to look out of place, not wanting to look um, like you don't know what you're doing. And I think we can all relate to that. I'm not, you know, when I say this and talk about the research I've done, I'm not discluding men. That's not an area I've looked at. So I don't want to say this is only what women think. But I, I know we can, the majority of us can relate to that feeling of, you know, going and trying something new, whether that's a sport or like even going and exploring a new area where you just think, I've got no idea where I am. You don't want to feel that kind of complete beginner, a bit lost, a bit kind of bamboozled. That, that can be quite intimidating. Um, and I think the fear of feeling like that can, can stop the initial impetus to go and do. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, what else? Any others that you can... Think oh, of. brain's gone so Your brain's gone, it's okay. <laughs> I'm really sorry. No, that's all right. Because um, I, I, yeah. I think this is a certainly a universal yeah. thing, that the fear of looking like an idiot, the fear that you don't belong. Yeah. I think I think as well, fitting in um, and, and lack of knowledge. So within the Mental Wellbeing Survey, there was actually an, an interesting number of women who spoke about wanting more knowledge, wanting more information. So... Maybe there is the impetus to go and do, but actually there needs to be the support for that as well. And that can come in so many different forms, whether that's, you know, actual literal knowledge, like how to get into a sport or where to go or what clubs to join, or actually um, physically when it comes to equipment, having the clothing and equipment for, for the discipline. Because actually there's a huge amount of belonging that comes from being able to kind of get the things you need to do the sport and that was something specifically voiced by um, a number of women especially who in the plus size range they felt there was a lack of clothing and equipment for them to go and do and try and that sometimes was holding them back from getting out there I know it's a catch-22 because you shouldn't need you shouldn't have to have say you know a, um, a always have everything everything right at the beginning when you're starting up but sometimes that can help get you into something knowing you've got I've got 
you know, a pair of hiking boots. I'm going to go and do it. I'm ready. It's part of the preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, okay, a couple more questions. Um, if you had an extra hour a day... <laughs> I'd be so happy. <laughs> to, ..to devote to this, what would you do? To the research. Oh. To the women in adventure oh. world. One hour a day, oh, every one day. one not enough. Um, if I had one hour that I could... Every single day. Every single day. I would... I would not know what to do because there are so many things. I'd want to talk to people. I would want to... Um, get out there and actually show people and explain and I'd, I'd love to be able to just help people help people have get that impetus to go and do and encourage okay, and how how then do we actually do how do you do this how do you practically go from having a, a nice spreadsheet to actually getting more women up in the hills I think a lot of it is about a relatable role model. So you need, to, you need to know someone or see someone or be influenced in a way and look at women who could be me. Someone, someone I, I, you feel that could be you and you can see yourself in them. So actually, they might not be doing exactly what you, that you want to do and they might, they might be doing it at a higher level, but some aspect of their, their personality or their drive or what they're saying resonates. And if I could put, if I had an hour, going back to this, if I could put more out there that resonated, not just from me, but from other women, that would be, that would be amazing. Okay, so putting content out into the world of women like me doing X, mm. Y, and Z. Mm. Um, is that something then that, is this a job for brands and their choice of influencers? I think... Um, I think it's all of us can do it. I think anyone who has a passion of the outdoors, you know, we're all, we're all on social media. We've all, you know, or if we're not on social media, you talk to your friends about what you do. I think it's just, if everyone made a little bit of effort to encourage, whether it's friends, family, social media audience, or from brands' point of view, their, their, their buyers, their customers, if we all made that effort, then I think there would suddenly be this huge kind of wave of very psyched, outdoorsy people. <laughs> so you think we all need to go grab a woman we know? <laughs> that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> yeah. And uh, go canoeing, go biking, take, try and act actively help think, take someone. Yeah, like, go, go, like, it doesn't have to be epic. Go show someone what you love. If you love a particular walk because of a view, or if you love... If you love um, like photography or you have a climb that you think is like easy but really good, like don't doesn't have to be. Let's go like do something really epic. Pick pick something that's like achievable but really cool and go and show them and, and enjoy showing other people what you love doing. And then like maybe it's cheesy. I think that's really infectious. Um, and you know what? Like not just because. Not at all. There's so much. There's so many different sports out there. Whether it's you know, climbing, mountain biking, road biking, running, fell running. Like there's there's different varieties with all within all of them. It's okay not to like some of them as well. Like I I was definitely guilty of you know when you try something and you're like I must like it because it's outdoorsy and everyone loves it. 
doesn't all have to be for you. So, you know, if, if someone's, if you want to try something, go and do it, but don't just stop there if that's not the one. And Try something else. Yeah. Okay, if I gave you a million pounds to go get more <laughs> women into adventure, what would you do with it? Um, I would, it would go into a research. I think the, um, the amount of accessible information and research surrounding the outdoors and mental well-being. I, I know I'm looking at women at the minute, but I'd be really interested and I'm hoping to look at the kind of whole adventure community rather than just specifically women. Uh, if you gave me a million pounds, I would do some really extensive research into um, mental well-being and devise an entire scheme about how we can better support everyone, not just women. Okay. You got it in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, okay, and then the final question is, if anyone is listening to this who's interested in either the Women in Adventure yeah. project you're doing or is a woman wanting to do more adventure... What, where, where should they go find out to so, get involved? If you want to learn more about my research, um, just head over to womeninadventure.com. You can download a free uh, publicly available copy of the results of the survey. And you can also find out more about what I'm looking at now. Um, and if you're into climbing, you can also check out Women's Trad Festival. So that's happening, hopefully not in this weather, but next weekend. And so that will have happened by the time this comes out because yeah, next weekend yeah. I will be out on my bike and still it but it's an annual event hopefully sunny. yeah it's an annual event and where uh, can they find out about that uh, womenstradfestival.co.uk so if you're interested in starting climbing learning climbing daring to call yourself a climber that's a good place for that definitely okay um, thank you very much for talking to me it's very interesting to talk to someone in the adventure world with a brain that's a, that's a <laughs> rare you, thing flattered. so thank you very much <laughs> no problem it's lovely to chat <laughs> thank you i hope you've enjoyed this episode of living adventurously there's show notes from every episode on my website alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast if you have enjoyed it please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media, or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is with sport-specific routing. Kamut doesn't just plan any route. Oh no, Kamut plans your route. Select your sport, choose your start and end points, and Kamut plots a route using the best option for you. Whether that's smooth asphalt for your road bike, quiet gravel tracks for some chilled mountain bike riding or bike touring, or a road-free trail for your walk or ramble. After that, you can personalise your route even more by dragging the pins on your desktop screen or app to include your chosen destinations along the way of your adventure. Your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com G and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.